Let me ask you a series of questions this morning. When you finish watching a basketball game, when you finish watching a sporting event, what do you do? Do many of you say, I have just seen a bunch of athletes at the prime of physical fitness. After this game, I think I'm going to exercise. Probably very few of us do that. I for sure do not. What about when you go listen to a musical concert or go to an orchestra concert? You've been moved by the music. Do you say to yourself after that concert, you know what, I think I'm going to take some voice lessons. I think I'm going to take up playing the piano. Do we do that? No. How about when you finish watching a movie or television show that has moved you? Perhaps it has talked about a social concern. Do you finish watching that show and say to yourself, I'm going to take up the cause of this social action? We don't do that. Or when you finish watching the news, how many of you think to yourself, with all of these things happening, or if there's a particular news story, how many of you go and say, I'm going to take some sort of action to rectify the injustice that I see? How many of you, after watching the news, kneel down in prayer to pray for the things that you have seen for our community and the things going around the world? How many of us? Perhaps very few. For the vast majority of us, we go to these events, we watch these shows, but we don't do anything when these events are over. Why? Because it is entertainment for us. We watch a sporting event, we go to a musical concert to relax, to be entertained. It's not supposed to make us think. It's not supposed to change the way we live our life. Unfortunately for many of us, this is the church. Coming to church is not simply worshiping God with the resulting life transformation it requires... For many of us, coming to church is but entertainment. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and you disagree with that statement. You say, no, pastor, I've come this morning not for a show. But the sad fact is many of us come week in and week out simply coming for the show. Nothing changes in our lives. We come here to hear about another Bible story to hear a funny illustration, perhaps even a challenging message, but we leave this place without any change. There are three things, I believe, that make the worship of God entertainment, and therefore a spiritual waste of time. And we can find these three characteristics of spiritual entertainment in the book of Ezekiel. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, as we take a look at verses 30 to 33 this morning. Ezekiel, chapter 33, verses 30 to 33. If you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to bring, with, bring it with you regularly. If you don't have money for a Bible, our church would be more than happy to buy you one. If you're new to the Bible, the book of Ezekiel is towards the middle of the Bible. It is in a section called the Major Prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then we get to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33, 
verses 30 to 33. Now, why am I starting the new year with this message? Because I value your time. And I don't want to waste it, as I don't want my time to be wasted. And so we want to make sure that your coming every week is not a waste of time. Plus, this message is a pre-message to our new sermon series starting next week. Where I will challenge us as a congregation to begin to take some personal responsibilities. But let's take a look at Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 30. The word of the Lord. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. Now, the context of this verse is this. It is the time of Israel's exile to Babylon. Because of the disobedience of the people of Israel, God used the Babylonians to discipline them. And they are in exile. There's a Jewish community living in Babylon. And in this community, the greatest show in town was the preaching of Ezekiel. We can call it the Ezekiel show. Everyone wanted to come and hear Ezekiel speak. A great orator. We know this because God tells Ezekiel, verse 30, that you are indeed the talk of the town. In fact, he was quite popular. Both publicly, the Bible says, beside the walls, around the city gates, they were talking about the messages of Ezekiel. And privately, in the doors of their homes, they were all saying he was a, a wonderful speaker. In fact, they were inviting their friends and their family to come and hear the word of God, the word of the Lord. Isn't that a, isn't that a good activity? It's a great activity. You are inviting your friends and your family to hear the word of God from his messenger, Ezekiel. People are coming to hear the word of God. But there's a problem. And there's a rebuke from the Lord in verse 31. Look with me in your Bibles. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words. But note this, they do not do them. They've come to hear the word of God from the prophet Ezekiel. Some of them, I venture to guess, may have probably come early to get a great seat right in front of Ezekiel to hear his words clearly. But there's something wrong. They heard the words, and circle this phrase in your Bibles, underline it, they do not do them. You see, the first characteristic of church as entertainment is when one hears but does not do. And if you're taking notes, number one, it is the action of inaction. The action of inaction. Where you have said in your mind, I've come to do nothing. And that's how many of us come to church. We have set forth in our minds that when we come 
and hear the word of God, we will leave from this place doing nothing. The action of an action. It's a complete waste of time if you listen, but do not change. And yet the Bible tells us that we are to change when we hear the Word of God. In fact, there's an entire book in the Bible, the book of James, dedicated to this topic. Faith without works is dead. Are we guilty of action, of inaction? As a pastor, let me be honest with you. I've wondered, after hundreds of sermons preached, do our people change? Yes, I know that change is the product of the conviction and work of the Holy Spirit in hearts as people allow themselves to change. But so often, people don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts. And I think you know the frustration. If you are a parent of children, you know this frustration How many hundreds of times have you told your children, please wash your hands before you eat with soap? Did you hear me? Yes. Did you do it? No. Or how about frustrated wives to their husbands? Thousands of times they have told their husbands, Please pick up your clothes and put it into the hamper. Did you hear me? Yes. Did you do it? No. You know the frustration. The action of inaction. I remember the story of a husband and a wife. They were having an argument over the fact that the wife did not change. Finally, out of sheer frustration, the husband blurted out, Honey, I don't know why God made you so beautiful and yet so stupid at the same time. The woman could not believe what she heard. She stared at her husband and replied this, Well, God made me beautiful so that you could love me. And God made me stupid so that I could love you. We don't like to change. Forced to change. We don't want to do it. And we'll use words to try to justify why we don't. We don't mind being called stupid. I'm set in my ways. Words are wasted when the person it is directed to does not heed those words. When God tells us that I have come to save the world through my son Jesus Christ on the cross and that by believing in him you have eternal life, those words don't mean anything if no action of trust is taken. When God tells us that our lives lived for him will result in spiritual rewards in eternity, Those words are empty when we do not take heed. When God tells us that we are to be prepared for His coming, to be found faithful 
when he does, there will be many who will be caught off guard and ill-prepared because somehow, seemingly, those words do not affect our lives. We hear, but we do not do. And that is our fault. I can only imagine the frustration of God, the frustration of our inaction. And you know something of that frustration as many of us are frustrated about the inaction of our own government. But on a deeper sense, the frustration of God in the spiritual condition of His people. And therefore, it elicited this rebuke from God. The action of inaction. Church, we must be careful. If we come and hear, but do not do what we have heard, then church is entertainment for us. Verse 31, the second part. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. God continues the rebuke of His people by simply saying they were living hypocritical lives. They were saying one thing, but their hearts were pursuing and doing something else. They were saying all the right things, but in their hearts they were harboring sin. They were living in sin. They spoke the spiritual words, but they were pursuing their own greed and their own gain. And that goes to the question of their motivation. You see, church is entertainment when number two happens. And number two is this. The motivation is of self. The motivation of self. Church is entertainment for us. When we come to church thinking, it is about me. It's about my schedule and my time and my wants and my desires and my comfort and my convenience. All of these are outward manifestations of an inward heart that speaks to the self and pursues selfish goals. That's when church becomes entertainment. Just like we would choose a movie, a time that is convenient for us, a story that we like, an actor that we are drawn to. Many of us have turned church into the selection of a movie. The time that we want, a story that we want to hear, an actor that we want to see. The very basic idea of entertainment in its intrinsic form is about self. It pleases the person. When a person is entertained, they themselves are pleased. They result, they, 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 they result in personal satisfaction. It's about me. Be careful. When the motivation of self is the compelling reason of why we come to church, then church has turned into entertainment. There's an old story of a man who was walking at night. And he saw another man searching for something near a lamppost. Approaching, uh, the first man asked the man who was looking for something, Sir, what are you looking for? Can I help? 
Without looking up, the searcher replied to the first man, I'm, I'm looking for my watch. The first man then asked, Well, sir, precisely, where were you standing when you dropped your watch? Continuing his search, the man replied by pointing in the distance and said, Over there somewhere, I lost my watch over there. Incredulous, the first man said, Well then, sir, why are you looking for it here? The searcher looked up in frustration, met the first man's gaze, and replied testily, Because, sir, the light is better here. I want you to think about that. That's a picture of the Christian life. That's how many of us are like. The problem is here. The problem is here. But when we come to church, we don't see the problem here. We're looking that the problem is dealt with somewhere else. I hope my kids are listening to the sermon this morning because they better learn from it. The problem is here. I hope that my friends who are here this morning are hearing this. They need to wake up. The, the problem is here. It is the motivation of self and not dealing with the issue where it needs to be dealt with that is the problem. We deal with it in very superficial ways, that which is convenient for me. If I hear something that I can change that won't take too much effort on my behalf, okay, fine, I'll change. But if it's too hard, the rest of the world needs to change and adjust to me. That's often, this often results for many who come to church wanting to feel good. As long as I hear an amusing story, as long as I'm not as bad as what the pastor is saying, and you may be thinking that this morning, whew, I'm glad I came today. I don't do that often, so I have escaped. Church becomes entertainment. When the motivation of coming to be with the body of Christ is about me. I think you can figure out the implication of this sermon point. Ask yourself about your attitude when you come. Ask yourself how it makes you feel when you've got to park a bit further away. Ask yourself how it makes you feel if it's raining and you have to get wet to come to church. Ask yourself how it makes you feel when you come late. You feel guilty? Ask yourself how it makes you feel when you come and you don't see friends that you know. Horror the thought that I come to church and I don't know anyone. Ask yourself the question, when I come to church, I've got to meet strangers. I don't like strangers. What if the church clashes or contradicts or conflicts and interferes with your social commitments? Where do you place your priorities? It's one thing to say something, to justify whatever you want to justify. But at the end, the Bible says, what does the heart pursue? What does your heart say? You may say all the right things. You may even couch it in spiritual words because no one would ever openly criticize the word of God. 
and yet the heart is critical. Critical of how the church operates. Critical of people in the church. Desiring, the Bible says in verse 31, their own gain. As an aside, can I make a side note here? Over the years, this church has tried to do away with excuses and exemptions for people. As this church is rapidly growing, we have formed systems and implemented policies to effectively operate a growing church. And I know that not everyone is happy about these changes. They remember the days when the church was very small and a personal appeal could simply get what they wanted. People, especially who feel entitled or feel that they are the exceptions, are not happy. But can I say this? Please examine your motivations. Is it about the greater good of the church community? Or is it about you and your family? Their heart pursues their own gain. That is a rebuke to the very people who were coming to hear his word from his prophet Ezekiel. But in their hearts, they were pursuing their own gain. Be careful, church, that your coming is not entertainment. And you know it is when the motivation of your heart is of self. Verse 32. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. You know what God told Ezekiel in verse 32? Ezekiel, you're just an entertainer to them, you're a musician. These people are simply listening to you as if they are listening to a singer who sings love songs. You're popular. It's a fad. It's cool to listen to you. But they are not doing what you are saying. You see, this is almost a verse of sarcasm. Ezekiel is not those things. Ezekiel is not a singer. Ezekiel is not an instrumentalist. Ezekiel is not an entertainer. Ezekiel is called by God as a prophet set apart to bring God's word of challenge to his people. And the words of God are not suggestions for godly living. They are commands. It is a call to action for how these people are to live in the presence of a holy God. When you come to church, you are not coming for a show. When I say you are coming to be challenged, you are coming to be rebuked. You are coming to be lovingly encouraged to be more Christ-like, all with the results of being transformed to be more Christ-like. If this isn't happening, then church for you is entertainment. You've fallen into the third characteristic, number three, if you're taking notes. The messenger 
is the entertainer. The message is entertainment. For many who come to church, the messenger is the entertainer. The message is the entertainment. So they want to hear the stories. They want to hear humorous stories. They want a messenger who speaks clearly with passion and eloquence and good-looking. Because they want to be entertained. Be careful, church, that you don't see the messenger as an entertainer and the message as entertainment. I recently heard the story of Peter Swan. Peter Swan is a pastor of a church in Houston called Hope Church. And he tells the story of his three children, especially his youngest, who's about two years old, if I remember right, and who loved water. He loved, this little boy loved to play in water. And this family would have lots of fun in their swimming pool in their backyard. They were always a bit worried because their little one loved water so much. And with a swimming pool in the back, they had to keep their eyes always on him because he would simply jump in. One particular day, as the family was playing in the back, Peter tells his story that he was distracted. I believe it was because the first two were arguing, the older two, And he went to go settle this fight between their two oldest children. He took his eyes off of their little one. After settling the fight, Peter realized he didn't hear the third one. The next thing, to the horror of his father, he looked and turned and his little child was laying face down in the swimming pool. He told his eldest to go call 911. Told the second to run in the house to get mom. And he jumped into the pool, only to scoop out the lifeless body of his child. He began to pray. He began to cry out to God. He began to do CPR. Cried out to God, Lord. Let this not happen to this one. By the grace of God, this little child, after a few minutes, spit up the water, became conscious again, and as Peter tells the story, there he was in my arms, looking up at me, smiling, laughing, saying, Daddy, can we go swimming? That little boy had no idea what had just happened. For him, he didn't know how close to death he was. For him, it was all smiles, all fun. He didn't know that if it was not for the action of his father, he would be dead. Similarly, that is how we are. We see the messenger as an entertainer, and we see the message as entertainment. We laugh and we smile in this life, not realizing how close we are to spiritual death apart from fellowship with God. 
laughing away, not seeing the dangers of what happens when we do not walk with God and follow His ways. Because life is just about fun. I hope you will come to the understanding that each person who stands in this pulpit, and I will be up here for 36 weeks as I do every year, Pastor Anthony, eight to ten weeks a year, and others. These messengers are here not to entertain you. We are here to bring you God's Word, the life-changing Word of God. Doesn't matter who stands up here. Doesn't matter if their English isn't good. Doesn't matter if they tell humorous stories or not. Doesn't matter their age. Doesn't matter their ethnicity. If they're bringing before you the Word of God, true to the text, hear it and do it. Verse 33. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. In entertainment, there is no call for action. But when it comes to the Word of God, there is a call for responsibility and accountability. And here in verse 33, the Bible tells us, the reminder from God, when these things come to pass, then the people will know that a prophet has been among them, meaning that the word that the prophets have brought are true, are real, and is the expectation of God. When you come just for the show, remember, there will be a day that is coming, a day of reckoning, when people will know that what they heard was true. One day, God will call each of us to personal accountability. God will hold us to account. He will hold us to account of what we have heard and how we have lived our life. You will hear close to 52 messages this year, if you come to church every week. And the question you have to ask yourself is, how have I changed? Do you ask yourself, what does God want me to do in view of what I have just heard? Do you take responsibility for what you hear? Let me close with this story story of a famous composer, famous musician who had a rebellious son. The son would come home late at night while his father and mother had gone up to bed. And he wanted to annoy his parents, especially his dad, when he came home. So when he came home late at night, he would, before going to his own room, he would go to his father's piano and slowly and loudly play a simple scale. 
all except the final note. So he would play do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. And then he would go to his room. Leaving that scale unplayed, uncompleted, because that final note was not played. Now you can imagine his musician father who is listening to this cannot sleep. His mind is unable to be relaxed because the scale is unresolved. Finally, in consternation, he would stumble out of bed and stumble down the stairs and he would come to his piano and play that final note, do. Only then, uh, in his mind, would he be able to sleep again. Great story from George MacDonald's book, Restoring Your Spiritual Passion. Many of us need to wake up out of spiritual hibernation and feel unsettled because you and I are not perfect and we will not be until we see Jesus and therefore you and I have work to do. It's time for us to shake ourselves out of bed and realize that we have a personal responsibility to play that final note of spiritual maturity to take up the challenge of the responsibility that you and I have, that the Bible tells us about how we are to live our lives and to feel so unsettled that we just have to go and play that final note. The problem for many of us in this generation is we are satisfied with things that are incomplete. We're lazy. We don't want too much demanded of us. Just give us a good life. My prayer for you is that you will be so unsettled, so unsatisfied, that you can't wait to go and keep playing that final note of spiritual maturity until it is last played when we see Christ. You see, I want this 2016 to be worthwhile, worth living. And that comes when we no longer take church as entertainment and we begin to take up the responsibilities that we have. It's hard, I know. Because this culture is about entertainment. It's about what makes you feel good. What makes you and leaves you satisfied? Well, let me just say here, unequivocally, the church is not here to entertain you. I'm not here to entertain you. I want to leave you every Sunday disturbed in your heart, unsatisfied. And that doesn't sound great. But it is that condition, when you walk away from this place, realizing that there are areas of your life that need to change, is when church and the worship of God and coming here has been worthwhile. Because you will find in the unsettling of your heart and in your desire to settle what is unsatisfied, that you will find 
great satisfaction in Jesus. I do not want to leave you here happy per se. I want you to leave here disturbed. Disturbed in your soul because you can't wait to live your life more like Jesus. These next few weeks will be difficult weeks for me as I prepare these sermons and for you as you hear it. I'm not telling you not to come to church these next few weeks and come when the series is over. But I want you to be prepared in your heart because when you come, you will be challenged to take a personal responsibility of your walk with Jesus because for too long, church has become entertainment. And it's not. The Word of God brings life to all, to those who hear it and do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word. It is a reminder even to me. But I also often, in the motivation of my own life, forget that it's not about me. It's not about getting people to like me, to sing my praises. It's about you. It's about causing a disturbance in the hearts of men and women through the moving of the Holy Spirit to challenge them to live more like you. May we be called to attention like the people of Ezekiel's day take your word seriously and to take the lives we live seriously and it will require in our lives a surrender a total surrender which i hope many this morning will be willing to do and living in your grace will experience satisfaction that cannot be comprehended and experience the joy of the lord may that be what we pursue this year in 2016. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.